Wanna touch down in your end zone You got a reputation in the streets Saying so fine but a cold heart She leave it shaking while you're in the streets Not playing Heard you're looking for a fat love Right, welcome to the Slant Podcast. Um, Being been a minute before drinks, um, technical difficulties slowed down our last one and then just life gets in the way as it does. Um, and geordie has been, doesn't want to give away any of his, um, his intel on the rookies, even though he's just traded away all his rookie picks. So um, that was good of him and he's, he's come back now that he's got no picks and he can spill no goss. Um, how, how are we, Jordan? Yeah, good, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think probably, well, you know, realizing that uh, I wasn't going to be able to get Elijah Moore uh, in the second round anymore just, you know, set me into a state of despair and I just really had to, uh, you know, offload all of those picks. You know, it was a dark day. Fair enough. I'm not an Eli truther, but I know there's you know, there's plenty of them and they've snuck to about, about the 111s possibly where I think he might go, but um, that'd yeah. be interesting. Right, so where we left off last time is we covered the, the later round running backs and covered um, up to about Michael Carter counting down. So today's one will cover the top four, which is now opinion with draft capital wise is Trey Sermon, Joante Williams, Travis Etienne, and Najee Harris. So we'll start off with Trey Sermon. Um, Trey Sermon is my boy. Um, I'm a I'm a OU fan through and through. Um, he was amazing for OU. The problem was was we had just a cycle of running backs every year. Like we had players like Rodney Anderson, who was good in school when he was healthy, which was the problem. Um, Kennedy Brooks was around at the same time and he was lit. Um, by memory, we had Ramon J. Stevenson as well, who came around for one of those yep. years. He was suspended um, for peds, but he was the best runner on that team. And unfortunately, other defenses had to find out about that when he was on the field. They had a battler like TJ Pledger, and then um, Seth McGowan came in and out, but wasn't a whole lot. But I guess what I'm trying to say is Trey Sermon, like there was other guys in the backfield every single year, and he decided to to dip and go to um, Ohio State for his first year to improve his draft stock, and boy, did he do that. He absolutely lit it up. Um, at towards the back end of the year, he started there in a very slow slump, and I got excited because I was like, cool, sweet, I'm going to be able to sneak him in the third round of rookie drafts, might even be able to get them in the fourth round. And then he decided to um, peel off those games where he got 112 yards, uh, rushing 332, 193. And at that moment, I realized I was no longer getting Trey Suman. So I um, was pretty gutted about that. Yeah, and it was a pretty, I, I guess it was a pretty meteoric ascent on a global stage as well. You know, we're looking at the game against Clemson. Uh, that was a pretty, you know, he really exploded there. And to be fair, if he hadn't gotten injured in the championship game, uh, you know, he, he could have, we could have been talking about him being the three because really a lot of people would, you know, Etienne had really dropped off a lot of people's draft boards and um, was really plummeting down. So I, I think you touched on it, the fact that at OU, uh, you know, especially 2018, he was so prolific, uh, 947 yards. And that was all at the same time with, you know, uh, Kyler Murray, had over a thousand yards. Kennedy Brooks had a thousand yards rushing. So you know they were they were just eating it up. Um, you know, and I think even you know Rodney Anderson. Uh, he was good when he was healthy. Favorite, but, yeah, when he was healthy. When he was healthy. But you know, I guess the thing is, um, he had a 2019 season. Um, for all, all intents and purposes, the tape from his time at Oklahoma looks really, really good. 
you're looking at somebody who, in between seasons, went and worked with the Footwork King. Uh, but basically, you know, worked on his ability, um, worked on that footwork. The thing that you'll see from him on those tape breakdowns is the ability to, you know, to get those six-yard runs, which are just classic NFL, you know, NFL runs, which are going to change a game, which, you know, they could turn to somebody like him as a lead back, and he will do the job. Yeah, I think another thing with... Um... With Trey Sermon that everyone kind of got a bit horny about was um, the situation that he landed in, right? So we notoriously yeah. always stay, everyone says, stay away from Kyle Shanahan backfields, right? Just running back on a committee. Yeah. And then, but like, you match the talent in Sermon up with the situation in San Fran, and it just became a super sexy spot, right? Because they've got a great O line. Yeah. Um, they're rushing every year, it's insanely nice. And prior and uh, post our last recording and post the draft, uh, most it's injured again, um, made of glass, yeah. so likely probably won't even start the season. Something happened to him. Uh, but more importantly for me, Jeffrey Wilson's gone down with um, an injury and he's out f- four to six months. He's not expected to be there at the start. I know people keep talking about Elijah um, Mitchell to come in the backfield. I think they got Wayne Gorman and stuff. He was a fine backup yeah. last year in New York. But like his path now is so clear to not... Maybe yeah. not maybe necessarily taking over the backfield, but he now gets his crack. The problem was, was everyone was worried about was the fact that most of it was going to be the, the, be, the best running back there when he's healthy, fine, because he's fast. But then Jeffrey Wilson at the back end of last year looked so nice that he was also going to compete and Sermon was going to have to compete um, up against him for, the, for, for, a, for a 1B spot. Now, with him out, my, why I think that's so good for Sermon is he now gets like to prove it. He's not gonna. He's gonna get his crack, which was was my worry when he got drafted there. Yeah, and I think that's th- those are the developments that have changed Sermon's. I, I guess, you know, they've changed the opportunity. Uh, and I think I probably drafted him in you know one of our dynasty leagues about you know a week before that news. And next thing you know, I mean, I've got one guy who's offering me the world just to try and get Sermon. Uh, you know, I, I guess the thing is, we now know, uh, you're right, you talked about the situation with Wilson. Look, Gorman's never been able to really you know, hold off anybody of any decent ability. Uh, you know, look, he was replaced in New York by Devontae Booker this year. So that gives you a good comparison of what we're talking about talent-wise. Um, you know, I think that the whole thing, if you're looking at Sermon, it's his college pedigree. You know, OU... You know, Oklahoma State, uh, sorry, Ohio State, you know, you're looking at somebody who's been playing for Power 5 schools. You know, look, Elijah Mitchell is fine, but he's, you, can see, you can see for yourself when you watch the tape. You know, the two, they're not the same player. And at some point, soon is over. There will be these moments during the season where Mitchell looks really good. And people will say, oh, you know, all these people who invested stocks into Sermon, they've, you know, they've, they've done the wrong thing. But it's like Jonathan Taylor last year, you know, the draft capital. And I know it's a completely different scenario. We're talking about, the, you know, difference, uh, you know, quite a, quite a bit of difference in the capital invested. But regardless, you're going to see Sermon, you know, before the, by the second half of the year, I believe he's going to be, he's going to be that 1A. And what what I what I'm gonna find so interesting this year is watching his ADP develop when the redraft guys come into play. So at the moment, yeah. kind of, it's kind of only the dynasty guys, and he's, 
I think he's going somewhere like in the seventh round um, of startup, seventh, yes. eighth, maybe a little bit later. Later, I just did one and he, he went far earlier than, than I expected, but also I was looking for him and I wasn't willing to pay that price for him. But I think now the no. redraft guys are going to be very interested. I'm not going to pay the price in redraft that I think he's going to be needed to draft. But for those that do say zero RB and you can get him in the fifth or sixth, I think that's a great spot for him. But yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying the price in redraft just because at San Fran, I want to see how play it play out for, but for those that have him dynasty, man, I'm excited. I wanted, I wanted him. I've been trying to trade up from the last two months. I bought the 203 thinking I'd easily better flip the 203 to get into a spot and grab him. And I haven't been able to, and it's fucking frustrating me, but um, whoever gets him, I, I just think he's a great guy that you want sitting there. So his future excites me. It most definitely does. And just having a quick look uh, at what I had for his ADP uh, for, have we got Dynasty? Uh, for Dynasty PPPR, we have got... Look at my startup, he went like seventh. Uh, yeah, eighty-two point five. Yeah. So, and you're so uh, I mean, you'd be looking. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Look, he's an interesting one. He's somebody. If you're talking about redraft, I like him as an RB four. Um, I probably wouldn't want to rely on him as my RB three. Um, but you know, I, I do think it's not a bad idea for people to be picking up a you know a rookie uh, RB with a good potential. Like last year, I did it with J.K. Dobbins. Uh, this year, you know, it's looking to be Trey Sermon in my dynasty leagues. You know, picking that person up as your RB4 by the end of the season, they're starting, you're starting to, you know, watch them hit pay dirt. 100%. Another one that's quite interesting in terms of the redraft guys is the next guy that we're going to talk about, Javante Williams. So, Javante Williams is uh, the guy that you will know um, a little bit about. He, the Denver um, Broncos trade up a little bit to come and grab their guy. He's the guy that some people could have seen going earlier than ETN and some people even might even argue that he's better than Harris. I think that was purely based on his ability to beat tackles. He has like something like the highest rate of um, uh, avoided defenders or something, something insane in, in college last year. And he's so freakishly athletic in terms of in the contact zone. The only problem is, is some of his metrics don't line up with what you see. So he's one of those guys in terms of like his um, his profile stats, like his um, his speed score, um, and like things like that don't set the world on fire, like his forty yard dash. But like he's just one of those guys that seems like a natural footballer and can yeah. read plays and 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 watch them unfold and play what's in front of him, which is super dangerous in terms of a, a defense, and it's super good to have on your team. The only problem is is you're paying the price of a guy that's going to keep making plays and taking that from the college level to the NFL level becomes a little bit different because you're no longer playing with like play people that won't play at the top level or some walk-ons. Like these are all straight killers on the defense. And, yeah. And, and it's just a little bit of a different game plan for me. I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out with Gordon. I know um, Gordon's got a little bit left on his contract. I don't think he's there post I think it's post this year. I think they'll just give the keys to Javante. I think that's why they drafted him. But in terms of dynasty, like him, 
especially like him at the price you're getting at him because I'd have him over the next guy, Etienne, in terms of the price-wise and value. But redraft, those that like playing redraft, um, have fun having a punt on him. It's just, it's not the sexy price that I sort of want to play on him. You're probably going to have to pay something like the fifth, fifth round, maybe earlier, maybe a little bit later. I'm just, I'm not about to pay that for him. But I think that's where you're going to probably have to take him once the redraft guys come in because his, like things are coming out of um, camp and they're saying he's already ready to be the week one starter. But his, his stats, um, averaging 7.3 yards a carry, arguably better than most people's. Like I know everyone's on the ETN bandwagon about the ACC stats and all that shit. But Javante Williams was lighting it up, had gained 170 yards, um, 120 yards, 160 yards, 150 like he had 236 yards. These are only rushing as well. So not a massively yeah. great pass catcher. I guess that's also who he had in back field with him. But like his rushing ability is nuts. And he's, for me, it's not talked about enough. Even though I know people are talking about it. Dude's a freak on the, on the, on the rushing side of it. Yeah. Yeah, and look, uh, I mean, he was last year, uh, I think he was PFF's highest uh, running, you know, rushing running back. So, I mean, he had 95.9, which is almost unheard of. I mean, that's and that, that's basically Nick Chubb uh, from a, about a year or two ago. So, that's really good. I guess what, um, you know, if I think back to Javante Williams, what I was, you know, what, what I sort of learned of him last year, I he popped up on my radar probably about September last year. Um, you know, I was keeping an eye, I guess, on that UNC team. Sam Howe, um, obviously Brown, Newsom, they were doing really well. But Williams was just really carving it up. And to be fair, I think one of the reasons that, um, you know, Brown and Newsom probably dropped down a little bit this year is because Williams and Carter did so well and they were able to lean on the run uh, so much more. Um, what I like about Williams is, you know, you're not going to be taking him off off on third down because he can pass block and he can catch. Yeah, uh, He's actually a really good pass blocker. He actually had more pa- more passing snaps than running snaps, believe it or not, uh, because of his pass blocking ability. So that's pretty good. Um, I think, you know, when I'm looking at, uh, I guess if you just, if you just want to look purely at the tape, he had that mini quake, uh, yeah, highlight, which I think got a lot of people excited, you know, because, you know, you, he's 5'10", he's 220. Okay, I think it was a 4.5540. But, you know, if you look at somebody who a couple of years ago didn't test that well and dropped down, well, Dalvin Cook comes to mind. Yeah. And, you know, see, and he did fantastically. So, you know, Dalvin Cook, another ACC uh, running back as well. Um, Williams... I think the criticism that comes to mind is that when he faced, you know, as close to NFL talent as you get in the ACC with Notre, well, not Notre Dame, but with against Notre Dame, um, he did badly. You know, that was probably his worst games. Uh, he did really well um, against some of those teams like, uh, you know, Boston, Virginia uh, Tech. And that's not the same. But, you know, the yeah, Miami, Florida bad, game's but, all good, know, though. They don't have the best defense. Miami, Florida yeah, aren't too bad. Was, I know they don't set the light on fire the last few years, but they're like some of some of these teams aren't too bad. Like I know I know Duke is not like one of the elite 
football teams, but like, yeah, dude's still pumping out two twelve point six yards per carry, and I know some of those would have come on big plays, which um, skyrocket the the average. But like, just like the thirteen attempts, twelve attempts, like the game is locked up and he already had it. It's not like they gave him twenty and he had one big one. Like the dude only had like twelve yard rushes yeah. and still got one hundred fifty one yards. You give him, you give him like yeah, you give him I, a, a NFL sort of workhorse volume, which I think he's going to get in Denver. If you are you getting anywhere sort of near that, and you're just excited and horny about that, yeah, I think the I think what worries me is the 28 yards against Notre Dame. Could, and he wasn't days. listed as a participant; he was listed as a starter for that. Could have so you know that. Yep, and that's fair. That's fair. Um, and he were. I mean, everything else looks good. I mean, 54 yards against Virginia. That's a little bit concerning. Um, but look, I, I guess the thing is, um, as you said, um, you know, it's it's going to be different talent. The things that look good for the fit with Denver, uh, that Denver offensive line, um, their O-line coach, Mike Munchak, who formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers fame, um, is fantastic. He's probably the best O-line coach you know, in the NFL at the moment. So I think the there's opportunities there. I'm excited about that. Um, you've got field stretches, so they won't be able to stack the stack the box against them. So who are, you know, who I, I said field I stretches? In Denver. Yeah. Who are you? Who Judy. Sudden. Patrick. I'm excited for sudden. I'm excited for sudden. It gets me horny yeah. this year. Jude. So Jude's you know, also an exciting one. So you know, look and. Look, and that's not even counting KJ Hammer, uh, you know, or you know, and personally, someone, somebody who I'm surprised went as late as they did, Seth Williams. So there's lots of, you know, there, there's lots of wide receiving talent. Um, he only really needs to beat out an aging Melvin Gordon. Yeah. So I, I would say he's, you know, he's he's in line for good things this year. Um, yeah, I don't see why we couldn't start to see him maybe, you know, round four, round five, starting to assert some dominance. Yeah, I, I think because reports are coming out that week one, he'll be starter. I don't know. I think you'll just kind of just ride uh, Melvin Gordon for maybe a few weeks. So that, I think it'll be committee and then eventually he'll take over. I can also see Melvin Gordon. And I don't want Javante and Rejaf just because I can see Gordon still taking some niggly carries away from him through the whole season. Um, my worry, my only sort of worry is... Uh, well, A, you don't really know if Drew Locke's playing or if it's Teddy Bridgewater or Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers goes there, Javante Williams skyrockets because everyone's scared of now Jude's and Sutton. The only problem was having great like field stretches and, and catches and, and Sutton um, and Judy is the fact that like the like the, the quarterback's still not terrifying. So if somehow, I don't think Aaron Rodgers might go there anymore, but if they did, Javante Williams for me becomes an actual guy that I'm looking to try and, and find in places. But um, yeah, I, th- I think he will be fine nonetheless. But yeah, my only sort of knock is what does your quarterback situation look this year and does it negatively affect him? I mean, Bridgewater is still uh, a, a lot safer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, he's not, you know, I guess the thing is a lot uh, with his current ability has the actually um, will lose you games, yeah. You know, and you're not going to get that with Bridgewater. Uh, you know, the uh, Bridgewater 
is markedly, uh, and it sounds weird to say, but he's an improvement over Locke. So it's Bridgewater's job for the taking. You know, he, from from a statistically, statistically, and what he will enable that team to be able to do. Um, look, he's not going to. You're not. You're not going to have the splash plays, but you know that. I don't think that matters when you've got a team that that's talented, uh, as talented as you know their wide receivers. He's probably going to be best for a player like Judy, because you know part of the problem that they had was that Judy and Locke were just so out of sync. Yeah. No, fair enough. I'm excited. I'm I'm interested to see how that that pans out. Another one I'm interested to see uh, pan out. More so because I've gone, I've uh, said to pretty much everyone, I am I do not want a piece of Etienne at all. I don't care how good he was. I don't, I don't even, sometimes I'm not even, I'm still trying to figure out why I don't like him. But um, I know I'm going to get a whole lot of hate and abuse from a few different people if he um, bangs and is the next Kamara. Um, I'm still on the fence saying I don't think he will. But that's Travis Etienne. He went... Um, super close to Najee. Everyone was kind of interested in where he was going to go. And it was very interesting because um, you had all those people saying, no, J-Rob's an awesome running back. He was an absolute gem. Um, he, no one's going to yeah. draft a running back. And we had people out there like you and I were saying, there was, I would not take like go against the fact that they could draft a running back. Yeah. No, but he got yeah. the most yards as a rookie and all yeah. this shit. Um, and then they drafted a running back. And, and uh, J-Rob owners cried and everyone else just, laughed and that was that was about it it was it was it was weird whether you own them or not it was interesting and weird and you kind of have to just give it to the fact that they also got their generational talent quarterback and trevor lawrence and they wouldn't pair them up with his bud and if they can have any sort of um combination like they did in college they'll be super formidable um and if they didn't draft draft trevor i don't think they grab et in here i think it was just one of uber uh coach myers plays and (laughs) that's <laughs> what it is um there's no denying the stats he put up in in um yeah. in college or acc and pretty much holds so many records it's insane and we keep hearing about the different stats he has i just yeah. i'm not entirely sure what it is that I, I i just i don't people that are that high is a fall it's a very very large fall from grace and the price that you have to pay to go get him i think i'd just rather take a punt on sermon and someone else um, or even Javante and get a tiny piece. But um, people out there love him, and, and I completely see why. The, the tape's quite nice. He's just – and even even his, um, his metrics are quite nice. His pro day was nice. Um, see, he was quick. Like, he, he's, like his, um, his best comparable is DeAndre Swift. I just think it's funny that I also am not a big DeAndre Swift dude. So, the fact – I think it's the play style for me. Um, I'm, I, I love yeah. my – as a running back – on Dynasty and even Redraft, I love my guaranteed volume on the ground. That's where I think running backs make the most work. Ones that you want to give the ball on the goal line to, that's what gets me excited. And guys that I want to have on my team, I'm guaranteed the carries, that sort of stuff. And um, for the same reason, I don't necessarily like Swift because he's like, he's a prototypical college player, right? Like they're good at pretty Mm -hmm. much everything. Um, They can catch the ball, they can run the ball. I just give give me that sexy, just run hard, run straight, run over people sort of blokes. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I probably don't like them as much as I like others. Um, but hey, if you want to go get them, go get your guy. I can see why it's probably highlights are insane. But yeah, that's just just on the fence about him. Yeah, look, the a few. Yeah, I, I guess just just to your point, um, you know, Swift, Swift is 
a really, really interesting one because, you know, from a PPR point of view, you know, you're looking at somebody who looks so fantastic. Um, that Detroit team is going to be behind, so you'd be expecting they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. They're talking about him lining up in the slot. But, you know, a lesson that I've learned over time is don't invest in running backs on shitty teams. Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. just, just, you know, card, cardinal rules, invest in running backs that get volume on winning teams. Yep. You know, wide receivers, okay, they can be on a have a crappy defense, but, you know, I'm not going to be recommending anybody go ahead and get the elite, you know, a lead running back in RB1 and RB2 that's on a crappy team. That's just, that's not clever play when you think about what you need from your running backs. Um, so, Ian is a really interesting one because his college career, every single year, could almost have been treated as though a, a completely different year. You know, you had that 2018, you had that uh, meteoric rise, uh, you know, for, for him, for Lawrence. You know, I think there was a point at that year uh, that probably he finished that year and it was really apparent, you know, that he couldn't catch the ball. He just couldn't. And he had said that he was afraid to catch the ball. If you didn't want the ball, the ball thrown to him. So he finished that 2018 season. He made a conscious decision to go and work on that. Um, and he really did. You know, he came away and he, he wanted to get good at it. 2020, it's just so interesting because, you know, he'd actually gone from being a top eight and a top 10 rusher to, you know, he was ranked 40th. Yeah, and he's, yeah. he just became a scat back is almost what people were thinking. You know, he's just a passing receiver. And so that's where I think, you know, if you treat him like that, you're probably going to misunder, you know, you're going to underestimate his abilities. Um, Maya has, uh, I saw the most bizarre heading with Maya saying, you know, um, you Urban Maya now starting to see glimpses of Etienne's Clemson form, maybe oh, yeah, more than a third funny. down As back. if he wasn't was just like, in college like four months ago. Yeah, there was. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it was just, it just was, you know, so funny. Um, you know, I think Etienne, will be, he's got a good opportunity. We'll, we'll see how they use him. Um, J-Rob owners, unfortunately, look, they, I, you know, the, the only one that I know, um, you know, I've been making you know, phone calls around the clock just to check on their well-being. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, it's been a really tough time. Um, I think it's, I even feel worse because I think I was somebody who traded J-Rob away. You know, so yeah. there's, there's a bit of guilt there, obviously. On that though, um, I, I while I know first round running backs, you don't not you don't draft them there to be like a wide receiver and that shit. I think there's a, I think there's something to be said for. I don't think he's going to be a workhorse guy. I don't think he has like. I'm just not sure he sort of has the ability to be that. Um, five ten two fifteen suggests he should. I just the way that he played in in the back end of that. Um, of his college career where he's catching the ball lots. I think that's the type of sort of guy I think that that'll be, I think he'll be very much like Dio Andre Swift, but I think that there's a place for J-Rob to be in there as the thumper. I think everyone knows that he's a thumper and the only reason that he was any good is because of yeah. the, the volume he had and he was, he was getting slight, his efficiency was insanely through the roof. I don't think they're going to kick J-Rob to the curb. I think he's going to be a fine flex play and I think, yeah. I think he will get his opportunities, but Obviously, his ceiling is just like 
insanely low on his floors. So like, I, I think, but I think, I think people are going super far as to thinking that Etienne's going to come straight in and just take it over and J-Rob's going to be gone and they have no, they have no invested interest in him. I think they'll find a place for him. I'm just not entirely sure how much it is. And you can, if you can get him cheap enough, take a punt on him, but yeah, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you also just touched on the weight of EDN, which is a little bit contentious because, I mean, that was not a lean 215. That was a, you know, that was a cheeseburger 215. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, like he, won't, he won't be that come, come NFL season. No, he's going to be more like 205. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, like, you really want to put him in the situation where you ask him to do what he sort of did at Clemson. And, like, even at Clemson, he had... Like during 2018 and 19, where his peak carries were 204 and 207, and I know that we've seen players far higher than that. So, um, yeah, I th- I think he'll be, I think he'll be a second, third down back, um, and I think J. Rob steals some first downs, and I think he also steals some goal line carries. So, take that with what you will. But yeah. um, I-, I think there's a place of both of them. I want neither of them, but. I don't know. I think I think it's going to be a very interesting one one to watch through the season, especially if Etienne yeah. does nothing, and those Jags fans are going to be crying to get J. Rob back on that field. So, I mean, I I can tell you right now. I mean, I don't don't think there's any reality where he does nothing because, you know, he's he's coupled with his college quarterback. You know, he's the safety valve. So, you know, if things start going badly for Lawrence, he's going to be looking for ETN. Yeah, bail out. Yeah. Um, now, the last guy on our list is uh, old Najee Harris. Now, this is the guy, obviously, you can't get him cheap and his value is kind of just through the roof. So, I, I won't have him in any leagues, unfortunately. But this is the one guy that, and and it's pretty obvious, workhorse role written all over him um, in Pittsburgh. I'm not, I'm nowhere near paying the price. What he did at Bama was insane. So we just talked about um, the usage of yeah. the usage, the usage of Travis Etienne and his carries. So to put in perspective, I think Etienne what had two or five um, in in yeah. his at his high in 2019, whatever it is. Well, yeah. Najee had 251 last year and um, pretty similar catching numbers. T- but touches? No, rushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rushes. So 294 touches last yeah. season as well, yeah. which so is like, just, that, that's huge. Workhorse role, ridden role, just like yeah. super sexy if he landed anywhere else. And I know that Pittsburgh were likely going to take him because they needed a running back and all that sort of stuff. That's fine. There's no not predicting the fact that he could have gone to Pittsburgh. My only problem is at that thing, at that spot, I don't. I won't be having any shares in him purely because yeah. I just like he's gone from Bama, where what like every single person in that Bama um, O line got drafted. Like it was insane how they just keep going Bama O line, Bama O line, Bama O line, and keep getting drafted. And that O line was nuts. And I think some of it, I think some of them did get drafted because of what was happening behind it, and it made them look a little bit better than they were. And I think there's a few players in there that yeah. definitely got reached for. Nonetheless, they all got drafted, and that was an insane good O-line. And he now goes to Pittsburgh, where there's sweet fuck all of O-line. So, and then also, uh, Big Ben's aging, and we don't really know what the next post looks like. So, if you get, for example, like Rudolph or Gaskin, uh, Dwayne Haskins, sorry, for a quarterback there, 
you know, load the box with a terrible O-line and just get a fuck in the backfield yeah. and scare them. So that sort of worries me um, as if I were to be an owner, I'm not. But his tape looks nuts. He's so athletic. Like he's going to be the one guy that you guarantee is a workhorse role there. And the only problem with that long-term wise is his age. He's like 23 already, which means he's going to have to shoot the lights out to get a second contract. I'm not sold on the fact that he would because of his age, but Hey, like we've seen crazy things happen. He could like the, he could say, could invest a whole lot in the O line and, and get, yeah. um, get him something to run behind and he'll, he'll, he'll buy a second contract anywhere else. I would, I would sell the farm to go and get him. Um, like for example, mm-hmm. if he was running behind the Denver O line, give me all the fucking shares. Um, just worries like there's just too many worries for me to pay that price you know what i mean like the value to where i think he's gonna sit is is just not yeah. me i'd rather someone else take the punt on him yeah look from from a dynasty uh perspective you know you, he i think he's almost or undisputed 101 uh you know a lot of people might be leaning chase but running backs are just so valuable so I guess what we know about Pittsburgh is that they do love this idea of having a workhorse running back. Um, We know that they, for the most part, um, even when it's been an ailing James Conner, they've been worth having a piece of. So, you know, for what what you're probably looking at is dynasty. um, it, It might be a little bit like a, you know, a Jonathan Taylor situation yeah. where the investment starts to pay to assert itself off towards the end, yeah. um, end of this year. I think you're going to see enough telltale signs to say, hey, look, things are going to be good uh, early on, which will mean that people aren't trading him away. But, you know, you're not really going to be able to capitalize on that. And I don't think he's going to be winning leagues for people until the end of the season. Yeah. Now, in a redraft situation, people are getting really excited about him. You know, and it, it's looking like he, he could be he could be a second rounder. Oh, like he's, so, already, he's already there. Like people are yeah, already taking yeah. him at the back end of the second. And I, I don't I don't I don't not see a situation where people are going to start when they start coming in early, like early. I I won't be me. I tell you what, I won't be shooting the ADP up, but someone will be. Yeah, the. He will de- look. He's definitely going to be a second round. Um, you know, I, I think I watched an interesting video today, which was Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, or Joe Mixon. So you know those. I'm not giving away where I'm things, going, but yeah. And, but look at the end. Of, at the end of the day, I guess the point is that's the that's the question that people are now asking in June. Yeah. So yeah, wait till a couple of preseason games. Um, come out, you know, because he will do well on those. You will, people will see think enough of what they want to, you know, don't be surprised if he goes up to the mid-second. Mm-hmm. Um, look, again, I don't know if he's going to be winning people leagues up until the end of the season. I, th- I think he's going to be good. I think people are going to be excited. But, you know, you have highlighted the issues with Pittsburgh. Um, and those are things, again, that, you know, it's a it's a bit like those telltale signs, like you know James you know James Robinson at the end of last year and why he was a sell at the end of last year. So you know it's a different scenario, but you're still seeing those things, which we all know as you know as fantasy owners, dynasty gamers, to be aware of. 
of, you know, bad O-line, aging QB, um, you, you know, the, the, the defense is a good defense, but, you know, they're going to have to figure out, you know, I think the other thing as well, they're for the most catches. part. They're going to catch the Yeah, they're, and, they're gonna pass but the here's the other thing. There are, you know, there are pass-first offense as well. Yeah. So you wouldn't normally go and say, oh, yeah, that's that's the right thing, you know, the right thing for me in Western. But, you know, on the flip side to that, they have been good for running backs over the years. Yeah, I, 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 I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think that they will, like, that they're, they're, they've got so many wide receivers, they're going to pass the ball. And Big Ben, that's kind of his, his, yeah. his steez. And the only reason that I know that, um, that you mentioned Pittsburgh running backs have been um, valuable to have is because of the fact that they've had a workhorse. If they didn't have a workhorse yeah. sort of guy, then um, it wouldn't be any worth having. And so I think, yeah, it's just the price. And I think you nailed it. The hit. I don't think he's going to win yeah. anyone leagues this year at his price. So like the sort of yeah. ranges that I honestly think he'll get up to, and you mentioned it there was, I think he's going to start getting up to the um, the Mixins, the Ecklers, like those, that sort of yeah. I think people are going to get so horny that what they're going to see and all these tweets are going to come out. They're going to see yeah. all these highlights that they're going to get up to that point. And the difference for me between that tear break is, okay, well, what's the downside here? So, so like, what's the, what's the floor and where's the ceiling? Now, Najee's ceiling is insanely through the roof. I don't think it's this year. And I think um, you, you nailed it there with the JT comparison with the Mac sort of yeah. situation was, was his, um, his, his restriction. I think, uh, Najee's restriction yep. is his O-line and the fact that they've got so many pass catches there. The only reason JT shot through the roof to what, what was it, like RB6 or something was because he had like bangers the whole way home when Matt got hurt yeah. and um, he had those massive games against like terrible, um, terrible uh, run defenses. So like, yeah. and, like, like, that's why like Monty shot through the roof too. And I, I don't, that for me is the worry with Pittsburgh. I think I, I just don't like his, his, his cons for me are the reason why I won't be paying the price at all. For for people, and you mentioned the density there of the the um, consensus one hundred and one. I think um, this it's it's a super interesting thing. Like I've seen so many people out there, um, and definitely tied in premium leagues where Pitts goes one, and I think I've I've seen yeah. heaps where even non tied in premium they take him because he's generational talent and. Just on that, if he's anything but Kelsey and you're giving him there, then you're in a shitload of trouble fast. So, um, yeah, won't be yeah. me, but also Chase. Chase for me is the rebuild one. Najee for me is the compete now, more so because of the worries about the second contract, but also he's going to be a guy that you're not going to see massive thing here. If you take him there, from for me, you're looking to, for him to bang your one, and then you kind of look to offload him for multiple picks if you're starting to rebuild. But, um, exciting talent like so athletic his yeah he's by yeah. far the best running back in this this um year for me it's just mm, if he had gone in other places i'd be so excited for him and would be taking him in redrafts it's just it's probably not not my price to pay and to be fair if he declared last year like the plan was it would have been a completely different story because i mean we if you think so to what spots. the 2000 well, you know, that was meant to be, you know, the players who were meant to be in the 2020 draft were meant to be Etienne, Chuba, you know, Chuba, Chuba yeah. Hubbard, you know, Najee Harris. And they were all of those, even Puka Williams, those guys went back. And to be fair, um, you know, for, I, I would almost say for probably, 
maybe not so much ETN. I think ETN was a, a little bit of a hold. Harris had increased the stock, but yeah. Hubbard and you know Hubbard re- massively, massively. William, oh my God, Williams dropped off, and I mean Williams looked fantastic at the end of the 2019 season, but. Yeah, and that's what we talked about in the last podcast we did, of particularly the one you said, the Chuba Hubbard. If he had come out, he was second round, riddling all over him. Um, Just one of those things, and it sucks. And I would have loved to have seen that unfold last year um, with the JTs and the CHs because I don't think CH at that point goes to Kansas City. Um, And, yeah, it just would have been been super interesting. It's it's a good class. The only reason for me, Etienne and Nas... Sorry, Etienne and um, Sermon and stuff here is just because of the fact that they... It's a a weak class. Um, It's just a weak class and sort of the top echelon for, like, league winners is just, like, you're going to have... It's beggars. Can't be choosers at this point. Like, there's two guys and then there's a fucking fall-off and... You can't, like, all that's going to happen is there's going to be, like, we're talking about Michael Carter here being a first-round pick in rookie jars. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just worrying. But it's going to happen, and there'll be four guys that'll go in the first, um, in the first, or four running backs for me that'll go in the first two rounds. Like, that's, like, last year, it was, like, four in the space of the first five picks. Whereas this year, mm-hmm. it's going to go, like, there's going to be four guys. There's going to be Najee, Etienne. Sermon and Carter, and the rest are just going to be quarterbacks and wide receivers and tight ends. Yeah, yeah. and if you think this year's bad, wait till next year. Yeah, well, that's why I already get in the 2023 picks, baby! Let's get the whole class. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's, that would be wise. Look, the, yeah, I mean, 2022, uh, don't be looking to get your running back from that class. No, Brees Hill and Isaiah Spiller in the first two picks, and if you have anything else, then... Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin Harris, Max Borgie might do something interesting. Um, Zone of the night, maybe. They'll, they'll be guys just because they need to be guys because they have to get yeah, drafted. Yeah, they will be. And that'll be it. They will but, be. But um, yeah, no, that's that's a super um, good rundown of the, the top four running backs. Um, it's That's kind of what we think of, of the top four. Um, interested to know what other people think around that. That's just... Um, one idiot's thoughts and then one guy with all the, the stats and subscriptions in Jordan. So thank you for joining me once again. Um, we'll try and catch up and get together about the wide receivers because yeah. there's a lot more to talk about the wide receivers and a lot more different landing spots. Yeah, definitely. And you know, and I think, I think again, you know, they, we've probably, I guess, covered off a, a whole... Uh, I, I guess you know, our views of what these things are, are going to look like. Uh, who knows what it'll be like come the actual season? Uh, you know, if you if you uh, follow ramblings of one guy on one of our leagues, you know he'll tell you don't worry about what he resources telling you. His team, uh, he, what his players are going to do. So you know, it'll be see what actually happens this season. Yeah, we'll catch up before the um before redraft sort of season rolls around and how that sort of all these yeah. ACL tears in the off season um sort of unplay and the Travis uh, the Trey Sermons uh scoot to the roof. Thank you very much.